0: Well, ladies and gentlemen once again good afternoon welcome to real estate iq number one in deal finding and welcome to the real estate investing hot trends now for our session today here is our agenda so we're going to be having the short introduction and at 5 10 we're going to be having the talk i'm a short-term rental airbnb investor ask me anything And of course, we're gonna be giving the floor to our guest speaker. And later on, about the last 15 minutes of our time will be dedicated for online networking. And for today, allow me to introduce our CEO of REIQ. He's a national speaker and his expertise lie on leadership, systemization, management, and marketing. Ladies and gentlemen, the co-founder and CEO of REIQ, here's Mr. Steve Liang.
1: Thank you, thank you, Arthur, for the introduction. Uh, I just want to do a quick intro on, uh, you know, why we're doing this. Give me one second here. I um, had my my slides minimized. Doopy doopy doop. Okay, I want to share some uh, kind of basics of why we're doing this, right? Uh, and and the idea is that you know, being successful in life, it's all about being in the right position. Uh, It's like Max, you know, they have a lot of short-term rental uh, set up. So now uh, as uh, this pandemic, uh, we're kind of observing how things are happening. Um, And uh, I believe Max is doing very well with their rental. Uh, So it's all about kind of putting yourself in the right position. So you can take full advantage. Uh, who, Who are we? So Real Estate IQ, we see ourselves as a technology and data company, and we serve the real estate investment community. Uh, the key thing here is that we focus on creating work from home automated systems, uh, and we choose these language also because we are trying to jump on the on the trend. You know, work from home is a big trend, uh, and also having uh, an automated kind of business is also a very big trend uh, as we're all you know working from home, and uh, we're relying on a lot of automated systems to help us do a lot of work. Our mission as a company is to empower everyone's journey to freedom and success, you know, and, and that's, that's a, a, a big key. You know, we, uh, we really see ourselves as a big supporter, uh, for entrepreneurs and as entrepreneurs, the key things that we're looking for is, uh, freedom and success. And it's actually a uh, very human nature, you know, uh, looking for freedom, uh, we're talking about financial freedom, which is about security. Uh, having security time, freedom is about, uh, our pursuit of happiness and the same thing for success is also our pursuit of happiness. Uh, so everything that we do at real estate IQ, we want to, uh, uh, create things to empower your journey to, uh, kind of reach your security and happiness, you know, freedom and success, uh, which also goes along with uh, this event at hot trend, you know, we want to explore all the hottest trends that's happening. Uh, so we can take full advantage. Uh, and this is a, a very interesting time that we're living in right now uh, because um, I was sharing at the QuestCon uh, just last weekend that um, the playing field just got leveled. You know, this whole pandemic has changed the world, uh, and it's about who can out execute uh, your competition and uh, what kind of trend that you can uh, jump onto before anybody else. You're going to have a much better time uh, adapting than everybody else uh, these are our core values uh, and, and these are the folks that you know uh, we find that we are li- we are really well with uh, and these are a couple of core values that we have growth oriented right we're growing every day um, every single day we're learning and we're, we're learning from our mistakes and uh, learning from our successes as well uh, always always growing uh, having a champion mindset and that's about uh, teamwork, you know, having a very strong teamwork. Uh, we wouldn't be able to be here, you know, uh, doing the show and giving you guys all this value. Uh, if it weren't for having a full team available, you know, putting this, uh, all together. Um, and also being champions is about achieving, you know, never giving up and always, always, you know, keep going at it. Uh, we've been building real estate IQ as a company for over seven years now, and we're going strong and it's the same, you know, every single day, we try to keep adding more and more and more to it and keep growing uh, and keep building on top of it. Uh, last but not least, is about having integrity. You know, that's having a very long-term mindset, having an uh, ethical fortitude in how we approach business. We believe that's the only way that we can approach business. Um, there are, uh, you know, uh, throughout all these years, we have encountered uh, some individuals that may not uh, be doing their business on a, uh, in a proper way. And, you know, the only, the only thing I want to say, uh, uh, you know, in this venue is that I think, uh, only the folks, uh, the, the folks that have stayed, you know, over the years are, are the ones that uh, always conduct business, uh, in a very, uh, ethical way. I, I think that's, you know, key from kind of our experience, uh, what it means to have longevity in business. Couple of work from home automated systems, you know, and this is very important. Everything that we create, it's about giving 10 X value, always offer lots and lots and lots of value to our clients um, so that uh, they want to be a lifetime customer. So uh, the first one is uh, the deal analysis, unlimited comps. And that's a really, really important tool as real estate investors because in order to analyze which deal is a good deal uh, and which one is a good rental, for example, just going along with the theme that we have today, it's about being able to understand what the market value of the properties are so you know what the good deals are. So uh, we launched this product, giving unlimited comps uh, for kind of Netflix pricing, uh, which is unprecedented, uh, and uh, through that product, we were able to gain a lot of clients because we give a lot of value. If you're more serious, uh, then the next tier is deal finding. You know, it, we find tons and tons of, tens of thousands of motivated sellers. So uh, you can acquire the deals. You know, usually uh, finding deals is, is basically the hardest thing uh, when it comes to investing, you know. If you find a deal, you can uh, take care of everything else. Uh, the last one is premium, which is extremely important for today's world, you know. Uh, uh, with email address and phone number, now we can really market to these uh, distressed sellers. Um, in the age of social distancing, I think uh, it, is, it has much, much more importance than uh, it was pre-pandemic. Uh, and another tier that we, uh, another uh, product that we don't have on show here is our CRM, our Customer Relationship Management System. Which helps you pull everything together and really, really truly automate your business. Uh, so uh, we have all these tiers uh, for different levels of users, and every single one of them uh, is giving the ten times value. Uh, I want to go over a little bit of our macro and micro trend uh, because it's all about turning a crisis into an opportunity. Uh, first thing is, uh, you know, we're anticipating inflation for the long term. The stimulus bill uh, is. trillion. Uh, By comparison, our GDP for 2019 was $21 So, and we're also talking, looking at a HEROES Act. Uh, There's a lot of incentive, a lot of folks who want to pass that uh, act also at $3 trillion. Um, That's just a lot of money that's being printed out uh, based on this concept called the Mandrake uh, mechanism. Uh, there is uh, a system in place that would enable the Fed to, or, or the banking system, to print out ten times the bill. So if we're looking at two trillion, you know, there's a mechanism in place to print out for the system to print out twenty trillion, up to twenty trillion. So that's a lot, a lot of money. Uh, and in the meantime, we didn't really increase our products and services in our economy. In fact, uh, we probably have slowed down. You know, a lot of the manufacturing and retail are not producing. Uh, so we have all kinds of money, you know, out there, free money, uh, and uh, not as much products and services. So that's going to start leading to uh, a long-term inflation. That's a big inflationary force. There's a lot of market volatility happening. And uh, we see that's actually a really big potential for the industry uh, in real estate investing because we offer a lot of stability. Uh, and also real estate is a big uh, inflation-adjusted asset. So, um uh, I want well, to congratulate everybody for being here. Um, I know that you know, all of us that are kind of in this community, we are very big on uh, real estate investing. Uh, so, and this is a, a very nice industry to be in because we get to take advantage of lots and lots of uh, these kind of new trends and opportunities. Uh, next, we have uh, artificial intelligence and automation. Right? I'm going to talk about the importance of automation. Uh, that's gonna take more and more importance uh, over time. In fact, uh, all of these has been accelerated because of the pandemic. And finally we have data flow. You know, data is the new oil. It's all about information. Having information and having a way to generate insight from all this data and information so we can take action. Uh, uh, that's gonna give us a big legs up uh, over our competition. So I wanna show you the unemployment rates we've been tracking. Uh, As you can see the trend, uh, there was a big spike in uh, unemployment rates uh, starting in March uh, and we're seeing that uh, since May and June, it has uh, been a dipping, our economy has uh, added uh, more jobs uh, and also the unemployment uh, payments are ending, so there's going to be, we believe, uh, less, I guess, uh, uh, the percentage of employment is going to be a little bit lower. Many still believe that we'll remain having a double-digit unemployment rate uh, for the next uh, foreseeable future. From a micro-trend standpoint, you know, a lot of mortgages are in forbearance. Uh, We're also seeing that uh, the credit is uh, tightening up, so uh, the criteria for uh, mortgage is actually uh, much tighter now, even though we're seeing a record low uh, mortgage rate. It has dipped below three percent now uh uh, so what that turns into is that uh, it's going to start turning a seller's market which you know we had a bull market before now we're kind of heading into a bear market for uh we believe for the next couple of years uh, it's going to start turning more and more into a buyer's market so the buyers are going to have more power Uh, all the physical events are basically canceled i think i just heard somebody uh, just went to a, a physical uh, networking event uh, recently, uh, but I think most events are online. You know, we can all attend and get education from the comfort of our home, which is very nice. There's a, a big acceleration on online marketing and work from home automated uh, technologies. Uh, so this is a new chart that uh, Shirley has uh, brought to us. Uh, and this is a chart about delinquency on the commercial loans. So if you look at each cluster, you know here on, on the left, we have uh, uh, office, retail apartments, students, student loans, senior loans and so on and so forth. You can see the couple that are spiking up uh, that have a high percentage of delinquency is uh, lodging, which is hotel. Uh, the other one that stands out uh, is the retail. Uh, And then you can see that there are actually three bars, right, from April. uh, And if you look into each uh, category a little bit more, it it shows the trend from April, May, and June. You can kind of see what kind of uh, a trend we're looking at in terms of delinquency. So let's look at lodging, for example, right, the hotel. Uh, We can see that it has flattened, you know, in April. We were looking at about 20% um, delinquency. Uh, and then in May and June, it kind of uh, slowed down. We're looking at maybe about 28% uh, delinquency, delinquency, 27 28%. And then there's also Color Crow. You know, I really uh, think that uh, this would be a really good chart. Uh, for those of you who want to study this a little bit further, I posted on my uh, social media uh, our, our, our platform. And um, maybe you want to request to see a PDF uh, of this slide. Uh, but the color code here is that is how long it delinquents. It, it is delinquent. So the green ones you can see uh, back in April, we had uh, more that's less than 30 days delin- delinquent. And as time goes on, we have more and more uh, loans that are uh, more delinquent. You know, they have been del- delinquent for 60 to 90 days or even more than 90 days. So very, very insightful chart. Uh, Basically, what we're seeing is that a a big spike of delinquency due to the the pandemic. Um, It has uh, increased in the past couple of months, and it looks like it's starting to kind of flatten a little bit, Uh, but we're still seeing an increase uh, of number of days of delinquency. You know, the folks that couldn't pay uh, uh, back in April, they still were delinquent. So again, you know, a, a police request this um, uh, uh this pdf file i think there's just so much information here uh, It will take a little bit longer to for everybody to digest this information if you like these trends you know keep coming back to our hot trends we have a lot of folks that uh that are joining us we're also kind of recording this session live uh, and the recording gets sent to our vips uh, we meet here every thursday at 5 p.m and we explore different issue every single week. We actually have our lineup of topics uh, planned out all the way through August now, and then we're going to keep planning out more. Uh, We'll have lots of very interesting guest speakers uh, here to join us and share with us what they are seeing on the field. I think it's very important. uh, Nowadays, uh, I was saying that, you know, we are more segregated now than ever, right? We're all at home. Uh, but at the same time, we're also closer to each other than ever, uh, through these online technology, you know, we can get, stay connected. Uh, and by learning from, uh, all the practitioners on the field, uh, we can get a lot of really updated information. And I think this is a really cool venue. I want to thank, uh, Shirley and Arthur again for, uh, putting this show together. Um, and let's see, I got a couple more announcements. Uh, we have a book club. So we're going to read. Uh, actually, we have started reading a, a new book on leadership. We were reading a book on, um, on uh, this gentleman uh, that started a, a fund, a billion dollar fund that invests in real estate. Uh, we just finished that book. And now we're reading about leadership. All of these books that we have chosen is all about cultivating successful habits. Uh, uh, everybody that are joining us are very, very motivated, very high-end people. We have a lot of real estate coaches uh, that are very experienced in the field and they're sharing how they're applying these habits uh, into their business uh, and how they manage the team. Very, very intriguing, uh, very good show. And then we also have the Geeks and Nerds in Real Estate. This is for the Geeks and Nerds that are um, that are with us here. Uh, this is where we go geek out and really talk about all the all the updated, uh, all the recent technology and how we're going to apply all these technologies into real estate, uh, especially today uh, with the pandemic really accelerated the adoption of technology, especially in the real estate uh, investment and the real estate industry. Uh, so very important to stay on top of it. Uh, and we're also using this as a, as a way to recruit uh, technology uh, enthusiasts to join us so we can build more technology uh, for the real estate investment community, together. Oh, okay. We have one more slide here. We have uh, a lot of investment opportunities. We are seeing that in the next couple of years, there's gonna be a really, really unique time to acquire a lot of distressed assets. So we want to invite everybody to join this event. Uh, we have an exclusive um, investment opportunities event. Uh, you're you are invited. Uh, make sure you fill out the form uh, so you get the special invitation. If you don't fill out the form, you're not going to get the invitation. Um, And uh, what else do I want to say? We'll see you there. That's a really good event to to be in so you can learn about the opportunities. All right. So I'm I'm going to pass the mic back to Arthur. All right.
0: So let me go ahead
1: and share my screen.
0: There we go. All right. Now, just a disclaimer before we proceed, all information presented in the presentation is intended for educational purposes only. We do not offer investment, financial, or legal advice. All right. So here's our topic for today. I'm a short-term rental Airbnb investor. Ask me anything. So may I have this honor and pleasure of introducing our speaker for today. So... Uh, In 2013, our guest speaker, Maxwell Lee, and his wife, Kelly, co-founded Glocal Network, a real estate investment company. They live in Miami, Florida, and live by the FIRE Principle, F-I-R-E, which stands for Financially Independent Retired Early. He manages aspects of their renter portfolio and happily share advice regarding the overall process asset classes, joint venture agreements, markets, sub-markets, and so forth. Maxwell is now following his wife's lead and pursuing other passions like music and content creation for a YouTube channel and his website at fireworkingjourney.com. Ladies and gentlemen, to talk about short-term rentals, here's Maxwell Lee. Max?
2: Thank you, Arthur. Thanks for that. Nice introduction. Um, Yeah, so... I I don't know how normally this is done, but I told them that I just wanted to have sort of a AMA, Ask Me Anything kind of session so that you all can kind of lead and direct where the conversation goes. Um, I do have a presentation that I will try to keep brief that just kind of introduces myself and the experience that me and my wife had and gives you sort of a guide as to I guess, why you want to ask, <laughs> ask me a question and maybe what I might be able to, what insights I might be able to provide. So, okay, this is um, my first time doing a slide presentation in a video chat. So, hopefully, I can get this going without too many issues. So, I'm going to share screen, right, okay, and then... I will start the presentation and if anybody has any questions at any point, again, just I don't know if you can raise your hand on this, uh, um, on this Zoom call or just type something into the chat box and Arthur can stop me and let me know because really, again, my presentation is simply to like uh, give you background about myself and so really just feel free to interrupt at any point. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, all right, I'm going to try to keep this brief, but I'm not known for doing a very good job of that. Um, like Arthur mentioned, we, my wife and I started a company, we called it local network. This was in 2013 in Jacksonville, Florida, which is my hometown. Um, and so it was an area that I knew pretty well. Um, in 2013, my wife was living in Washington D.C. and working for a major, like Fortune 50, uh, corporation, and uh, we and I and I was kind of splitting my time between Jacksonville and being with her up in D.C. So uh, we decided to start this company because she was going to quit that job. She really wanted to leave the the corporate environment, and uh, and this was a way to sort of give her some kind of replacement income, something to do. Um, and she was quitting her job. We were getting married and we were moving to Jacksonville all in the span of like 13, 12, 13 days. So it was a major, major life change for her. Um, and so, yeah, we were in Jacksonville. Um, my wife is Kelly. And um, so her background, like I said, was in uh corporate world. She as an engineer and project manager, um, but actually one of her roles was as a sustainability lead. So she managed a lot of the facilities and construction for their sites all, or, all across the country. So it kind of was a uh, good fit for her to slide into project management of rehab of our real Uh, real estate properties. And she also planned to get her real estate license, which is what she did so that she could um, fill that role in our company. Um, She also, I should mention, my wife came from a background, her family had done a lot of real estate investments. So she was comfortable with that idea and she actually purchased a lot of properties. Um, wherever she lived, she, she moved around a lot for her company. And so she, she purchased a few properties wherever she had lived previously, and had become an accidental, quote, unquote, accidental. I mean, she, she planned it out that way, but she had become an accidental landlord a few different times, and, uh, and was very comfortable with the idea of investing real estate. Uh, Me, on the other hand, in 2013, I had never invested in property and I did not have that background at all. But I like to say that my real estate story or journey actually did begin much sooner than 2013. And that's because um, I have had a very strong passion for urban planning and design and just the way our cities are built. And that's something that dated back to my um, high school, college days. Um, I did some coursework in that in in undergrad. Um, I considered going to urban planning uh, graduate programs. I ended up going to graduate school in another field, and then still always thought maybe I should apply for graduate school in uh, urban planning again. And even as a real estate investor and developer later in life, I always had that pull of maybe I should do some graduate studies in urban planning just because it's such a passion of mine. So um, I was always in urban planning and there's quite a bit of overlap, I would say. Any conversation and discussion I have with other urbanists uh, invariably uh, carries a lot of um, uh, discussion about real estate as well. So, so, so I, I, always had that mindset, even though I never thought that maybe I should myself be an investor, if that makes sense. So anyway, I just say that because, um, it does play a role in what I did in the business, um, while my wife kind of managed rehabs primarily and and took care of the realtor stuff and the process of selling um i was much more focused as the deal finder and the buyer and then working with our investors as well so that that was kind of my role although we were a two-person company so we both did a little bit of everything um and, and and it made sense because and my wife always saw this for years she was nagging me about investing in real estate because um you know i was i was part of a very tight knit urbanist community in Jacksonville. And I, I kind of, uh, you know, it was, it was just something that I always loved talking about developments, commercial real estate developments, residential developments, um, corporate relocations, small businesses, franchises that were popping up, uh, infrastructure improvements and zoning, and all, anything like that, that I could geek out over with urban planning. Um, uh, I would talk to other people about that who were in the know and usually, Usually anything that might be happening on the horizon in Jacksonville, I, I knew about it months in advance just because we, we would all share information. And so um, in that way, I guess it just made a lot of sense for me to, to be sort of a person looking for deals and deciding where to invest capital um, in the market. So... Um, All of that said, I also always like to stress that we were in the right place at the right time. Um, 2013 was a great time to buy. Maybe a few years earlier would have been better. But 2013 was still very good, and Jacksonville was a very hot uh, investor market. We had people from all over the country and also several investors from around the world who were really, really – really, really excited to invest in the market and and just kind of waiting for us to give them the green light. So um, Jacksonville had a lot of good cash flow and it was also strong in the appreciation potential. Um, I don't know if you guys need all this background or not, but back then, Jacksonville, Birmingham, Alabama, Buffalo, New York, Memphis, Tennessee, these were all considered really good cash flow markets, um, over 2%. Um, still are yeah
1: yeah yeah, a lot of still are. yeah.
2: <laughs> and, and now, i also
1: wanted to share um uh you know max and i were very good friends as you remember back then uh we were driving i think we might be in houston at the time and we were listening to um to a podcast or a radio about real estate investing i don't know if you remember that probably <laughs> that's my distinct that's... memory of you okay <laughs>
2: Sounds sounds about right. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so Jackson was always in that discussion for very good cash flow, but then also, unlike I'd say, unlike those other markets that I mentioned, the underlying metrics for Jacks were really strong with uh, very low unemployment, very high year-over-year job growth, year-over-year population growth, and so it kind of straddled that fence, you know. Um, With other markets that really saw a lot of strong appreciation jacks maybe wasn't as strong as those you know Atlanta, maybe Dallas, uh, but it had it had the benefits of really, really good cash flow and high likelihood of uh, appreciation so um, We felt we were in a very good place. Uh, What we did, we started off by investing our own funds into several rehabs, and uh, once we'd gone through that cycle, we had rent out, then we felt comfortable enough to deploy capital from our other partners and investors, and concurrently, we, we invested in our First, fix and flip with our own funds again, and once we had gone through that cycle, kind of felt comfortable with doing that. Then we started doing uh, joint ventures with our, you know, partner capital to um, to fix and flip. So that was the uh, beginning. Um, just very briefly, I'll touch that touch on all kinds of stuff that we've 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 dabbled a little bit in. So I have a little bit of experience in. Uh, well, we purchased a lot off the MLS, a lot of real estate owned um, bank foreclos- foreclosures, uh, a lot of purchases through wholesalers, uh, auction websites like Hubzoo and Auction.com. Uh, the only thing we didn't do, we didn't buy anything through the county courthouse auctions, but that's not for a lack of trying. We uh, we vetted tons of properties that way and bid on on. I don't know, half a dozen or so, but just uh, the county courthouse, at least when we were doing it for that year or two that I was really focused on it, the the bidding was kind of outrageous. And, and yeah, so we never won any properties that way. Uh, subject to the mortgage, we purchased that way. We purchased vacant lots, um, rehabs for long-term rent, short-term rent, rehabs for flipping to investors, I guess like a turnkey uh, model, if you will. We have also rehabbed to owner-occupants, flip to owner-occupants, like a retail flip. Uh, we did a new construction, um, and we have sold on land contract. We have uh, done condos, single-family, multi-family, commercial. Um, we also have done quite a bit of private lending um, that's real estate secured. And then we also crowd fund into large development projects um, The majority of the ones that we've been deals that we've been in are like uh, three to 20 million or so dollars. And then we just buy a small share of that. And, uh, and it's through this um, JV partner that we have that we've worked with for many years. So kind of feel uh, comfortable with that. Um, And next slide. I think it's going to be, there's a little bit of a lag here. I think, yes. Okay. So we, um, in 2017, we expanded to Indianapolis uh, and then later to Chicago. And this was mainly because we had gotten tired of uh, a lot of worries about hurricanes and flooding in the Jacksonville market. And uh, it just seemed prudent to have a little bit of ge- geographic diversity. Um, and then I was just going to touch on short-term rentals as well. We, uh, we, we got our first kind of dipped our toes in Airbnb renting um, or hosting, if you will, uh, back in 2014. Uh, but that wasn't exactly um, – we didn't do that ourselves. It was a property that we owned, but um, my brother-in-law actually was the one who was there kind of running the Airbnb. So uh, it wasn't firsthand experience, but we saw – through what, through his experience, what that would be like and the potential for that, and then uh, for our own investments, we started doing some Airbnb. I think right at the end of 2016, but I just in the in the slide I wanted to, to make this point that in the second quarter of 2017 we were we had one unit as a short-term rental, and then by quarter first quarter of this year we had had converted to eight units um, in our portfolio for short-term rentals. Um, So there was a strong belief that that was the way to go. Um, But there's continued evaluation. And as I will mention, with the uh, (laughs) COVID-19, that has brought about, obviously, a lot of uncertainty. with the short-term rentals, we began pivoting a lot of our short-term rental units to longer stays month to month or longer than that, uh, whenever the opportunity presented itself. So um, so we've been doing that. I've had to engage a lot more in the day-to-day uh, micromanaging the short-term rentals uh, because, because of all of this uncertainty and what's been happening. Um, And I would say we're about 33% down in our net revenue on these short-term rentals since the middle of March when the pandemic hit. And and coincidentally, that 33% is the amount that we net over what I estimate would be a long-term rental uh, net revenue. And so this pretty much just wipes out any gain that we had come to expect from the short-term rentals. Um, And because of all of this, we're actually in the process of switching three of our units back to long-term rentals. So we'll be uh, moving forward with five short-term rentals. Um, And also, I I say short-term rentals and Airbnb a lot of times. I just say them interchangeably because 99% 99% of our short term rental business has been on the Airbnb platform um, until this year. I always felt like Airbnb, even when I had issues with them. Um, they were always head and, head, and, head and shoulders better than the uh, other big alternatives. Um, that yeah, I'm kind of wondering whether that still will make sense moving forward because uh, the Uh, customer service and sort of just the way Airbnb has worked with its hosts has really dropped off uh, dramatically this year. And um, so uh, we are considering other alternatives to Airbnb. Um, And then my last slide, just a little cheeky here, just Exit strategy, I think anytime you invest in any property, you want to make sure you have a solid exit strategy for that property. Uh, for us, uh, my wife actually quit real estate investing in the spring of 2017 to pursue her passions and uh, left me to like run everything. Um, and when she quit, we also moved our family to Miami and then everything that I was managing uh, became a long distance type of system um and that is something i will be talking about in a couple weeks i'll be back to discuss long distance investing um and basically uh, every, all the systems that i felt like i could continue to do flipping um a lot of active projects in real estate investing i found uh the long distance did not was not conducive to this in the way that I thought i'd be able to manage them, so um, a couple of years ago we started to, we started the process of selling off some properties in our portfolio that we felt like we wouldn't want to hold on to long term, and we stopped taking on new projects and now, in 2020, I am also pursuing my passions and following in my wife's footsteps so um, This means uh, doing music. Um, I also have a podcast about urban planning (laughs) and then uh, a YouTube channel and a blog that is basically about uh, an array of things, including fire, um, real estate investing, travel, uh, urban planning, and music. So (laughs) that is what I am doing now.
3: All right. Thanks so much for that, Maxwell. Or should I call you Max?
2: Uh, either way, I'm fine. Okay.
3: Thanks, Max. So, yeah, it pretty much sums up um, how the Airbnb business is doing right now, as you mentioned. But uh, what would you say is like the best timing to to get back into it if you're interested in getting into the Airbnb business again?
2: Um. This is a, you know, this is speculation. So it's hard to really, uh, answer this confidently. Um, I think that, uh, I think that it it, it could be right now. <laughs> um, a lot of, uh, I've read a lot about how Airbnb and short term rentals in general, the bookings are really, really coming back. Um, you know, for the last month, month and a half, they've really started to come back. And, uh, and I have noticed that myself with our bookings. We definitely have picked up a lot more activity than what we were seeing a few months ago. Um, but of course, you know, that we don't, who knows what's going to happen with the, uh, the pandemic. And so uh, this may tail off again. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it might have just been a brief correction uh, with people pent up and wanting to travel. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, you can look at it on the flip side and and see this as a uh, presenting opportunity to get into um, these properties, um, whether you're doing just the arbitrage, and, and that means um, uh, operating the short-term rentals without actually owning the property. Um, that's been something that people have been doing quite a lot for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, if if landlords are uh, more much more willing to make a deal with with an operator, then you may you may this may be the ideal time to get into that. Um, I've I've heard of people uh, finding landlords who are being very flexible with their terms, so 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 it could be a, it could be an opportunity that way. If if you can find short term landlords who want to sell their properties and and get out, um, then. Again, that's another way that it could be an opportunity. So it just really depends on the overall circumstance. So it's hard to it's hard to say about. I, I guess the takeaway would be um, don't just think right now it can't be the time. Like it definitely is something to research and evaluate. You know, at right now.
4: Yeah, I think
1: I, you know when it comes to passive investments. Uh, I think we always want to think. You know, further, further down the the road. You know, always think five to ten years, uh, or even longer uh, horizon. Um, I think that's going to uh, kind of help you really think with uh, with more, uh, you know, a little more rationally. Uh, don't make you know kind of quick decisions just based on what you're seeing today, because you know this is still, you know, we're we're still trying to figure out what's going on. I think it's it's too early to make those decisions. Now, Max, you were talking about um, Airbnb's hosts, you know, how they treat with hosts and how they work with hosts. You know, what has changed in your opinion? Um,
2: Well, if we go back a few years, um, Mm -hmm. Airbnb was, from my experience, Airbnb was as good to its hosts as you could expect or you could hope for. Um, They were really... uh, First of all, very, very responsive. So anytime there was any kind of issue, they'd be on top of it just like that. Um, and they were always extremely fair, I felt. Um, probably um, too generous than what would be sustainable, I guess. Um, so, you know, oh, I wait, guess.
1: Oh, wait. is it fees they charge or what?
2: Oh, no, no. I, I mean, I'm, I'm discussing entirely based on when issues arise. Um, okay. Cause, Cause yeah, go, going by fees and and all of that, I think you know you understand what upfront what the expectation is, and so and their fees were basically in line with Verbo HomeAway and any any of the major platforms. So um, there wasn't too much of a differentiator there, but it was just their customer service um, and how if there was any problem, they were going to take care of that problem in a way that. Um, made you feel whole Um, and they wanted to make sure that they were doing that. I think that was a time where they were really trying to expand. So obviously they were, they were deploying their investor capital to, to basically grow on the host side. And, uh, and so it makes sense. Like at some point then the scales are going to have to tip the other way because it wouldn't be sustainable for them to, you know, anytime, uh, again, anytime there was an issue, especially when it wasn't clear who's, who, who would be to blame i guess which which party would be to blame airbnb would step in and and compensate everyone (laughs) like both sides and just make sure everybody's happy uh Uh, and those days those days are long gone um and again i wouldn't expect them to be able to do that forever but the main issue now is just the lack of responsiveness uh when things used to be taken care of immediately now it'll the norm is days when you want when, when you want, when you want and need something to be done that day, it usually takes several days. And then for certain things, it's been like weeks and then you just have to keep, keep bugging them. So that that's really where it's dropped off the
1: most. Yeah. And, th- and th- I think that's very interesting because Airbnb was gearing up for uh, an IPO. Um, and, uh, now that this happened, I don't know if uh, anybody got some updates on, uh, the layoffs. They must have uh, been short, more shorthanded now.
2: Yeah, they uh, for sure. The pandemic really hurt them in that way. They were already kind of walking a very fine line, uh, balancing keeping hosts and guests happy. And then when the pandemic hit, it was it was double whammy. Like one, it made it hard for them to keep everyone happy because they were in that very difficult situation with all cancellations. Um, but on top of that since their revenue was down, they ended up having to lay off a huge amount of staff. I feel like it was like a third of their staff. And so clearly their customer service is going to be taking a hit from that. And it has, it shows. So.
1: All right. Um, what other what other uh, kind of short-term rental platforms have you considered?
2: Uh, so we've used booking.com and Verbo before. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like I said, Uh, When we use those other platforms, um, uh, almost all of our business still came through Airbnb. So that was one thing. Um, And secondly, when we had issues arise with those other platforms, uh, booking.com is the one in particular, um, that we had several issues arise. They really, they really did not help at all. Um, They were very, They would penalize hosts rather than try to figure out what the problem was. So, um, so yeah, that, that, that just gave me a bad impression of booking and we never really ended up expanding more into those other platforms. We just kind of consolidated back into Airbnb and, and quite honestly with Airbnb. We have so much traffic as it is. Um, perhaps we're not maximizing. Perhaps we could increase our pricing or something like that if we use all the platforms and just increase exposure. But but with Airbnb and with the pricing that we're at, which we're happy with, um, we were still getting so much traffic. We, we rarely have any vacancy. So, so it seemed OK to be with Airbnb. Um, from that by vacancy.
1: Are you uh, counting like, uh, are you, is it every single night, pretty much every single night is kind of booked. Oh or- yeah. I'm talking. Yeah. When I say vacancy,
2: uh, I mean, like the number of nights vacant and we are, I think we run something like 97% occupied something like that. We're, any given one of our units may have like two nights empty. On the month so it's it's very uh
1: it's very actually very fully occupied so wow. i guess from cash flow standpoint uh it's much better than long-term rental um so it really
2: depends on what your angle is um i i, I like to get into short-term rental a lot more when i talk about this stuff so so I, first of all You know, we're not talking about vacation rentals. That's not what we we do. We're in the Jacksonville market and it's a very uh, normal, I guess, kind of tourist market uh, where people are coming in for business or or pleasure, but they're, they're not you know, they're not coming to hang out at the beach for several weeks in like a five bedroom mansion. Um, and so we don't invest in those. And, and, and then, you know, that, that's kind of, that's a very different animal, the vacation rental model in resort towns kind of thing. So those, you know, they, they charge a much la- higher um, premium, you know, the margins are much higher for the days that they're occupied. And then they usually go empty. For much longer periods of time. Ours are, are a lot more like kind of business hotels or something like that.
0: So. Yes, uh, Maxwell, uh, along that line, there's a question here from one of our listeners, Jason Madden. What type of properties make better short term rentals versus a traditional rental? <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I, I actually have a video that I talk about um, this exact thing. Um, so there, for that particular question, um, again, it's for our market, right? Um, our experience has been two bedrooms definitely is a sweet spot uh, just because of the properties that we're in. The two, the price point for our two-bedroom units um, makes sense for people who are traveling by themselves. Um, and then obviously, it's a great deal for people who, who need two Yeah. And so, um, so two bedrooms seems to be the best one bedroom also makes sense. I think once you get to three bedrooms or more. It's not, um, not as great uh, of a return. Um, Also, uh, I think single family homes. Or multi-family, if you're going to make them all short-term rentals, you, there is some kind of a economy of scale there. Uh, you know, our, we we have one property with three units, and we just use one internet uh, internet service. Um, when our cleaners go, it's easier for the cleaners if there's multiple cleanings at that one location. We have a lot of supplies that we keep at that one location as well, so it's. Uh, it's, it's helpful if you're going to do multifamily and do them all as short-term rentals. Um, Single-family is also good just to have more space um, from neighbors. Um, once you get into townhomes and condos, uh, there's a lot more opportunity for people to, to um, you know, get in each other's way. And and so, uh, so yeah, I, I'd say single family, multifamily. And, and obviously, you don't want to be in a HOA community or something like that because that also will restrict what you can do. So,
1: what, about right. loca- what about location when it comes to short-term versus uh, regular rental? Um, this
2: one's tough. I've I, So the conversions I made, um, definitely I feel like they were in locations that would be... Sort of desirable for a visitor, um, close to downtown um, for business travelers, um, close to like the concert venues for people who are coming for that, um, uh, and convention center and stuff like that. But uh, but then the honestly, like most of our investment is that way as well. Like um, our vision, like I said, urban planning kind of background, I guess, or passion. I uh, we invested a lot into neighborhoods in the urban core that were transitioning. And, um, and so, you know, all of our properties are that way. So it's kind of hard for me to, for the most part, so it's hard for me to say like, um, yeah, it's, it was a better location for short-term because.
1: So yours sounds like your strategy is also, uh, at least at the time is to have short-term rental, but also kind of hold it, uh, for the potential of appreciation. Hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Um. Yeah. Definitely. When we got into this, um, we we've, we we've, we figured that investing in an area where the land is scarce, um, you know, that just over time, that that value is never going to go down. At least at, at the very least, because um, you know, that, I, I figure for the next couple of decades. Um, People are gonna want to be uh, close to work or close to things, um, and so uh, having properties that are in those locations that you wouldn't, you know, the the value is is, a, is in the land quite a bit. Of course, with COVID, you know, maybe that maybe that assumption is wrong, but but we'll see. <laughs> nice. that may have changed. Huh? That may have changed.
0: We're going to continue with the question and answer. We're just going to let our attendees in so we can interact with them directly. So Jeff, let's have the attendees to the panelist portion, please. And of course, we're going to entertain more of your questions. Please um, get ready with your cameras and your microphones. We'd love to hear from you directly. And we're seeing some names here, our usual. And of course, we're also seeing some new names here today. So welcome, welcome to the show now if you have any question please um, either put them in the uh, our chat area or you may raise your question directly to max
3: oh and just an update about the IPO for Airbnb they did uh, announce that its IPO plans are back in track so they're going to uh, resume going public
1: When you have to raise the race of money, they can give you better customer service, Max.
3: Totally. <laughs> well, um, I love
1: this. Uh, yes. go ahead. No.
0: Yeah, I love the idea of buying a property for the long term and while waiting for, for it to grow, you know, you're renting it out on a short term basis. I think it's like hitting two birds in one stone. And I think that's one of the things that our listener can learn from, you know, being wise not to having too many properties, but you know, simply maximizing what you already have.
1: Uh um, let's see. So I, I got a couple of comments. I'm kind of curious how many uh uh, how many? What's the percentage of folks want to uh, talk today and speak up? You know, this is a, a really good time to introduce yourself uh, to the group. It's about you know one thing about networking is it's about showing up uh, consistently all the time, uh, every single week. Uh, you you gotta you know I, I read somewhere that it takes 17 follow-ups to close a sale, and you really gotta show up many 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 times to build that trust. So I want to encourage everyone to um, to introduce yourself here. Another comment I want to make about Airbnb is uh, our CTO Joseph. Uh, they just uh, rehabbed a, a house by the lake in Temple, uh, and they're saying that they're, uh, those properties are selling really, really fast and uh, selling for way above uh, asking because of you know there's a lot of demand for kind of getting away but away also away from people uh so those kind of uh, sh- uh short-term rentals that are closer to nature uh seems to be at least from a uh, you know kind of personal story standpoint seems to be in higher demand
0: all right well jason good afternoon would you like to say something
2: uh i'll just say hi uh just kind of been following along i enjoyed the Airbnb stuff. I kind of been considering it, but like I've used them in the past. So, uh, but I've always went to ones that were remote, like in the middle of nowhere. And I just could never figure out how they made money because they're probably mostly vacant. Yeah. I I don't know. (laughs) That's not something that I have experience with, but uh, I think they normally would charge quite a bit, uh, for, for their stays, but I don't know, maybe you had a great experience. I mean everything I've been
1: at it's like comparable to just a hotel. So like I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But- it was um we were in Pennsylvania last year and we were staying in uh uh kind of like a vacation home, quite a few bedrooms and they really set it up for Airbnb. Uh let me let me remember they had um a big uh a backyard that you can play volleyball and i think you can burn bonfire you you saw a bonfire and they had like a sauna hot sauna uh, a pool table they can turn into a ping pong table uh i think the i think the cost was higher i think it's it's a little more expensive especially for the more remote places where uh, maybe it's a little bit harder to get kind of comfortable living condition a little bit kind of vacation home maybe they can charge a little bit of a premium I'm guessing.
4: Hey, I have a question.
0: Oh yes, Matthew, the floor is yours.
4: Yeah, I was. Uh, I have some properties down in um, South Dallas, and I'm curious if you guys would recommend they're they're long term rentals, and they are, you know, South Dallas, so it's that type of uh, clientele. Would you guys ever suggest turning an area like that into an Airbnb?
1: Yeah. So, so I'll, 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 answer that question. So I, I know the kind of South Dallas type of, um, uh, I guess, uh, demographics, I think, you know, what I would do, uh, Matthew is I would look mm-hmm. at kind of the city planning and see, uh, if the city is planning or injecting some uh, money there, uh, to improve kind of the, the general area. I would, thing that it's probably on a, it's probably more of a, a, a rental area. Um, you may want to consider safety for your short-term uh, tenants. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I think that's an interesting experiment uh, to see what kind of demand would be uh, in uh, in the South Dallas area. And, and just kind of, uh, uh, Max, you may have something you want to weigh in here, but this is kind of a uh i guess an area that's a little more uh rough mm-hmm. i think that's maybe fair to say
2: yeah i mean i i, I would try to think of it uh, if if you were a guest um so i mean there is a place for a a lower cost uh rental for people who are looking to save money and they may appreciate that but uh, for the majority of guests, I think, uh, especially if you think of somebody who's traveling to your area for the first time, I feel like you really want to, in general, you want to ha- offer a good impression. Um, and so, you know, if, if it looks unsafe or it, it looks like an undesirable area, that's, that's probably not something that I, I would recommend.
4: Um, Can I add that, a detail? Sorry? can I add just a detail to that? Yeah, go ahead. ahead. Okay. So the, the, when I say South Dallas, I actually mean kind of like Waxahachie. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Waxahachie is a little for like 20, 30 minutes South of Dallas. And, um, it's kind of pretty good school districts, pretty clean area. And, um, and I think people would like it. I just think it's too far away from the main stuff. It's just, it just seems pretty far away from the, Uh the interesting part of Dallas.
2: Gotcha. Um, Yes, there's stuff like this. um, It's really hard to say. And I I actually, my advice, it would be that you don't want to make an assumption. Uh, I would say that um, I was actually very surprised for us, for our rentals, how much sort of uh, business demand we have, um, which I I did not expect prior to um, us putting, you know, making our short-term rentals live. Uh, We definitely get a lot of Uh, travelers who who need to travel to our city um, way more than I was expecting. And so, um, you know, just don't make any assumptions. So, you know, it's very possible that there may be uh, such little supply for short-term rentals there that there are people who are looking for that um, if the price point is right. Um, you definitely can look into, uh, there's several companies, Mashvisor, um, all the rooms and, um, AirDNA, uh, they can help you. You you probably do have to pay a little bit to these services, but they, they, they do a really good breakdown of, um, Mm -hmm. revenue and demand and occupancy within sub sub markets all over. So, um, if it's something you want to pursue, I would look into getting hard data, I guess. Thank you. That's,
4: that's good info. I really appreciate that. Now, one last thing, and I'll let everybody else speak. Um, if there was an apartment in the nicer part of down or um, uptown Dallas, are there any rules against renting out an apartment in Dallas that you know of, or any cautionary things to be thinking of? It's a, it's in the third floor, um, about a thousand square feet or so. It's nice. I'm curious if any, any thoughts or feedback on that.
2: Uh, I, I don't know the area, but, yeah, you definitely need to check with your, like, um, city ordinances or county, wh- whatever jurisdiction it is, as well as the apartment, you know, management, because um, they both would have some control over whether this is allowed or not. So, you, you want to make sure that, that that's going to be okay, because trying to operate while hiding it is is pretty difficult. Um, I don't know if you were suggesting it as a, as a full rental or if it's just a single bedroom, but that also changes things. A lot of places are much more amenable to renting out a room in your unit versus renting out the whole thing and, and you know, just not being there at all, An absentee, I guess, uh, short-term landlord. So, um, so there is a difference there as well
3: all right i'm not sure if uh glenn linton has a question did you uh want to ask Ask it out glenn
0: oh here it is L- allow me to read this oh. from glenn linton hi everyone i'm interested in purchasing single family homes but i like the idea of looking for two bedroom homes to rent out to business so would the first step is to check city ordinance for short-term rental Max? Yeah.
2: Yeah, definitely make sure that it's it's allowed. Uh, but I know just from uh, just reading and and uh, listening to the, just a network of short term uh, uh, operators that there is a ton of them in Dallas. So I'm sure that it, it's allowed to some degree. I mean, you, you definitely check your check the rules and guidelines to make sure. But but I know that there's a lot of people doing it there very successfully. So
3: all right. Yeah, I'm sure it differs. Uh, in every state and well guys so we will be actually having Max again two weeks from now so um, on July 30th we'll be having Max and he'll be talking about long distance or uh, real estate investing I'm not sure what that means would you uh, just uh, say a short description or what is that
2: um, um, I guess just investing from from a distance, not uh, in your local area or in a close nearby area, but um, right. so. it's it's like a long distance relationship, but only with the property.
1: You got <laughs> it. <laughs>
2: There's a lot of pros and a lot of cons. <laughs>
3: okay, so we'll be looking forward to having you again. That's July 30th. Um, so it's again an ask me anything format. So you guys have your questions ready for Maxwell so when we have him again.
0: All right. And it looks like that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for being part of this wonderful Hot Trends. We are looking forward to seeing you next week for another session. Thank you so much. Have a nice day, everybody.
1: For webinar schedules, follow us at our official social media accounts or visit us at www.newestateiq.co.